Hello. Thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. Everyone doing all right? Get plenty of sleep from that rain last night? That rain help y'all sleep last night? Everyone looks well rested on this day? I didn't see any too many bags this morning. I might have some under my eyes. but It's a blessing to be here on this morning. On this side of life. On this morning, we enter into uh, our second sermon on our yearly series, uh, which is Forgiven. Our yearly series for 2019, our theme, excuse me, is Forgiven, uh, where we look at uh, several different aspects of forgiveness. In our first sermon, uh, we looked at the forgiveness of God. In this sermon series, in this sermon today, we'll look at the forgiveness of others, and we'll look at the forgiveness of self, and forgiveness of past as well uh, as we move on throughout 2019. But on this morning, we look at the forgiveness of others. On this morning, I want to talk to you about extreme hurt. But before that, before that, just want to before I forget to say this, after this, we'll be having a fellowship meal. As I stated yesterday, we're going to try to do that right after we dismiss. Um, so we'll have a fellowship meal after we dismiss here uh, this morning. Uh, that goes along with every uh, every quarter. We'll have this uh, thematic uh, sermon series. And after that, we'll have a potluck. And on this morning, we can't forget the Sims or the Simpsons that are here this morning. It depends on whether or not you want to speak proper English. The newlyweds are here, here this morning. So y'all go and congratulate them uh, this morning after we dismiss. Uh, he, he look excited. <laughs> All right. It's, it's good to have him back here with us on this morning. Uh, as they uh, and, and y'all enjoy yourself uh, over the weekend and the week, yeah, all right. So uh, good to have them here. But on this morning again, I want to talk to you about extreme hurt. I, I believe that's something that we all are familiar with. It's something that we all share in common, and, and we either you're going to experience it 
have experienced it. Extreme hurt. I, I, I remember a time in my life, and you know, as I'm, I'm studying this, I, I go and I was looking through my emails because I was searching um, for an email that I had saved, but I could not remember where. And of course, I have thousands of emails. And so I'm looking through my emails and I make it all the way back to 2014. Still didn't find the email yet, but I made it back to 2014 and I came across this email and I, and I thought that it went well with what I'm speaking about on this morning. It was an email from uh, Brother James Thompson. Brother James Thompson, who spoke here on our One Word series on last year, uh, he sent me an email. He said, I saw that your name was not on the directory at school. He asked, what's going on? And uh, I didn't even know that he was looking at the directory or noticing that I was there, you know. But at the time, I was dealing with a lot of issues. At the time, I was dealing with a lot of issues. I took a whole semester off from school. Uh, at the time, I was going to school and going through and experiencing and dealing with a church split, which we may be familiar with. Uh, I started going to school because I wanted to be able to answer questions that I could not answer. I wanted to be at a point to where I didn't have to regurgitate information that was previously given to me. I wanted to be able to find the information myself and verify it through God's word. And so I began to go to school so that I could be a youth minister within the church that I grew up in because I thought that it was important. And as you all know, that did not pan out the way that I thought it was going to pan out. I had made a plan to do something to be something that didn't work out. And when he emailed me, I was in a very, very dark place. I was in school in the middle of my degree plan, and I didn't have a church. And most of you didn't have a church family. And so I was going to different churches, looking for a new church home, dealing with the hurt of what had happened. And we found a church that seemed like it'd be a great fit. Great youth minister, great people in the church. I was like, this might be the church we're going to go to. And we get to go in there for a little bit, and a week later, that youth minister was gone. And I was like, goodness gracious, I must be bad luck. I must have a dark cloud over me. You know, and I'm encouraged to go out for the position and and, and, and things happen to where it looks like I'm, I'm going to be in that position, then it doesn't happen, and I'm, and I'm emailing him back and forth. And I still have these emails there in my Gmail, thousands of emails. And I'm having this conversation with him. Brother Thompson, I just don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I want to finish school. Things that didn't happen to me, I feel like I'm causing bad luck, and, and I'm a part of bad luck, and things just aren't going right for me at this point in time. There was things done intentionally, intentionally, by people that I call brothers and sisters that should not have happened, done to me. And I was in a position of hurt. Brother Thompson reminded me, and this is his words, keep in mind there will be other opportunities. Continue your education and studies, and it will pay off for you. God bless. But I wasn't trying to hear that. I wasn't. Because I was hurt. I was angry. I was feeling a lot of pain and a lot of different things emotionally that I couldn't just I couldn't deal with. 
And I think that we all go through those things. We all go through those times where we experience hurt, we experience emotions, we had plans for what, the way that life was supposed to be, and it just didn't work out the way that we planned it. We just knew that one thing was going to be the way it was going to end up, and it didn't. There are people here who are victims of adultery when they thought that they would be married to the person that they were married to originally. There are people here, kids here, who have been verbally and physically abused when they know and they thought that their parents were supposed to only love them. There were children left without parents, mothers and fathers who are not fit to be parents. We've all been on jobs where we are the most qualified person to be up next in line for a promotion. And yet the family friend or someone least qualified gets the position. We've been hurt by our bosses. We've been hurt by our friends. We've been hurt by our brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes we just don't know how to handle that. And you may be saying to yourself right now, Chris, I'm not feeling that. I'm not, for, I'm not feeling forgiving others. You may have something on your heart right now to where you have at odds, been at odds with someone for a long time, and when that person enters the room, your heart begins to beat fast because it just brings back that anger and that pain that you felt when they wronged you. You just, at the sight of their face, when they walk in the room, you feel those emotions of when it happened as if it just happened. Again, that's the type of hurt, that's the type of pain that I'm talking about. And I believe that we all share it. I believe that we all experience it. And if you haven't, you will. There's going to be a day to where someone is going to hurt you. Some other person that you trust, that you love, is going to hurt you in a way that is going to cause you to not be able to let it go. And I can say that there are some situations that you've been through that I haven't been through. I can't understand how you feel. I have empathy for you, but I can't feel what you feel. But I know that I've experienced my pains and my hurts, and I know the lasting effect that they can have on a person. But I want you to understand the one thing that I do know is, is that the forgiveness of others allows one to see and participate in the plan of God. Forgiveness of others allows one to see and participate in the plan of God because God looks at the whole thing. God doesn't exist within this time that we exist in. God doesn't have a beginning and an end. He just was always, and he is not going to ever cease to be. So when God looks at the whole timeline of our existence and the world's existence, it's all laid out for him. He's able to see it all. I remember whenever I was a child, I would read comic books, and you look at the comic books, and they had these great-looking pictures in the books, but if you look real closely, you only saw dots. The further away you got from the picture, the more of the picture you got in. And I just want you to understand that God sees the full pictures while we're just looking at dots. These dots that make us angry, these dots that cause us to carry this hate and these feelings and these emotions in our heart, those are just dots. But God sees the whole picture. 
And I need for you to understand this morning, if you're taking notes, if you have a bulletin, you're taking notes, forgiveness of others allows one to see and participate in the plan of God. Because I want you to know that God did not leave me without a church family. God did not leave me without a purpose. Because as I went to school to minister, and my plans were to work with kids, not work with adults who act like kids. All right. God had a bigger plan. And God saw the bigger picture. And so let's look at the definition of forgiveness. And I shared this with you last time. This is the definition that I get from Anchor Yale Bible Dictionary. It states that the forgiveness, our forgiveness is the wiping out of an offense from memory. It can be affected only by the one affronted. That means that only the person who has been wronged can start the action of forgiveness. Okay? Once eradicated, the offense no longer conditions the relationship between the offender and the one affronted, and harmony is restored between the two. And so what I did was, is I tried to simplify the definition, and this is what I found, uh, what I made in my own words. Forgiveness is the letting go of harmful actions to reestablish a loving relationship. Forgiveness is the letting go of harmful actions to reestablish a loving relationship. And we're so willing to receive this. We're so willing to receive this from God, but we present it to others. Let's look at God's word here. If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead, raise them up this morning. Paper, phones, tablets, whatever it is, the version you have. Thank you for bringing your Bibles today. It's a great place to bring your Bibles, okay? Uh, Also, if you don't have a Bible on this morning, there are Bibles on the back of the seats. We're going to be on page number 25 or 26? 25, okay. Page number 25. Page number 25 is a page inside the Pew Bibles. This morning, I'll be reading from the uh, ESV version, the English Standard Version. I thought that one read a a bit better. And we're going to be looking at at a a story of forgiveness that we're all familiar with. We've either read the story or we saw the cartoon, right, of Joseph and that coat of many colors, right? We all know the story of Joseph. Joseph was found to be uh, the favorite of his father, right? His daddy favored him. He gave him a coat to show that he liked him a little bit better. Now, don't you start nodding too much and let your other kids see that you, you like one better than the other. But Joseph, daddy, he, he liked him a bit better than the others. And if you look at uh, Genesis 37, verse number two, uh, the Bible says that Joseph might have been a snitch. He, he was a snitch. He did tattletale on his brothers. Uh, 37, verse number two shows that. And so it shows and, and, and it, it brings reason to the fact that they didn't like Joseph very well. They were in the field one day. They wasn't doing what they supposed to do. And Joseph went back home and told daddy. And then right after he does that, the Bible mentions that he tells them about a dream that he has about everybody bowing down to him. And they did not like that. And they were so angry uh, that they had no words for Joseph at one point in time. And Joseph, yes, he might have been a little bit cocky. And, 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 and his brothers were fed up with it, and they decided that they would do something about it. So his brothers originally decided that they would kill Joseph. They said, we're going to kill our brother. 
But luckily, uh, one of his brothers, Reuben, stepped in and said, OK, let's spare his life. Let's not kill him. OK. And so they threw him in a pit. And then ultimately it is decided that they are going to sell Joseph into slavery. And Joseph be- becomes ends up being sold into Egyptian bondage. It is where, why he is in Egyptian bondage that he comes under the ownership of a man named Potiphar. And, and God was with Joseph, and he did well for a long time working with Potiphar, and everything that Joseph touched was good. He was given responsibility in the house of Potiphar, and he was one of Potiphar's right-hand mans. He was in there good with Potiphar. But then Potiphar's wife started looking at Joseph. He said, that's a good-looking boy. And so she came after Joseph and she tries to make a pass at Joseph. And Joseph says, no way. I can't sin against God. I can't sin against Potiphar. I'm not going to do this. And she did not like his response. And so she said, I'm going to lie on you, Joseph. And I'm going to tell my husband Potiphar that you tried to come on to me. Sound like a soap opera, doesn't it? I'm going to tell my husband that you tried to come on to me. And of course, He believes there, and Joseph is thrown into prison. Bad luck, Joseph. Bad stuff happened to Joseph. Joseph is then in prison, and he's in prison with a cupbearer and a baker. And while he's in prison, both of these men have dreams. And Joseph said, I know a thing or two about dreams. Let me tell you what your dreams mean. And and the cupbearer has a dream, and the baker has a dream, and, and both of them, dreams end up meaning that in three days something is going to happen to one of them both of them one of them is going to end up being without their head one's going to be beheaded and the other one is going to be given back their position and joseph interprets their dream and he tells them the good that's going to happen to one and the bad news that's going to come to the other one and then joseph just tells the person that regained his status he said don't forget about me man and what happens he forgot about joseph Joseph is in prison for two years, sitting in prison for two years for a crime he did not commit. Bad luck, Joseph. Extreme hurt that Joseph has to be feeling. First, his brothers betrayed him. Then he was slavery. Then he's in a prison. And then he did something good for somebody, and then good didn't come back to him. And so Joseph is sitting there in the prison, and then one day, Pharaoh... The big man in Egypt has a dream. And it's a dream about these seven cows that one, seven cows big, seven cows skinny. And then, and then they, the, the dude that went back to work for Pharaoh, he remembers. I remember there's a dude in prison right now who can interpret dreams and tell you about your dreams. And so they go and get Joseph out. And I could just imagine Joseph's face as he sees this man two years later, like, dude, for real? You forgot about me for real? Joseph gives the opportunity opportunity to interpret the dream for Pharaoh. He tells them there's going to be seven plenty and seven years of famine. You're going to have plenty of food for seven years, but there's also going to be famine for seven years to which you ain't going to have nothing. And so he says, Joseph, what's the plan then? Joseph tells him a plan. This is how you're going to take care of your people. This is how we're going to make sure everybody's taken care of. And then he says, you know what, Joseph, I'm going to make you my right-hand man because I'm the big dude in Egypt. I'm the one that runs this show. And I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of. And what happens is, is that Egypt starts to go through this seven-year famine. And it's not just Egypt that's affected, but it's also his brothers and his father who are affected as well by the famine. They have to come back to Joseph for help. They don't know that it's Joseph whenever they come to him. Joseph sees them. Joseph plays a couple of games with them. 
But ultimately, Joseph helps them. Goes and gets his family. He brings them back. He buys land for them, and he makes sure that they're taken care of. He gets to see his father. He gets to meet his new little brother, and things seem good. And then Joseph's daddy died. And that's where our story will pick up today in Genesis chapter 50, verse number 15. Genesis chapter 50, verse number 15. That's the first book, last chapter. Turn to Exodus and then look to your left. Say amen when you're there. Say hold on if you're not there. All right. And the Bible reads in verse number 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. Can we say pay us back? It's the big payback. Verse number 16, so they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear. For am I in the place of God? Verse number 20 reads, As for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Forgiveness of others. Start with verse number 15. Verse number 15. Read that for us, Brother Don. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. Now, I want to paint this picture for you because up until this time, it would seem as though, as we read this text, it would seem as though the brothers thought that the only reason why Joseph was being kind to them because their daddy was still alive. Verse number 15 says, when Joseph's brothers saw what? That they were dead. Uh-huh. They said... It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. They thought to themselves, okay, the thing that's keeping Joseph from paying us back, from giving us what we deserve, is now gone. Daddy's gone now, and Joseph's really going to take care of us. He's going to throw us in a pit and sell us to somebody, right? They think it to themselves, I know that I did wrong, and all these brothers know that they did wrong in selling their brother, wanted to kill them, and now they think that something bad is going to happen to them. And I want you to understand today that when people do you wrong, when people sin against you, I want you to understand that they know that they did wrong. And as you'll see, a person with a good working mind, a person with a good working mind knows that they did wrong and that, that wrong is going to weigh heavy on them. You don't have to add more weight to it. That's easy for us to do. Somebody does us wrong, we're going to add a little bit more weight to it. I remember you did that to me. Take this silent treatment. 
take this red and no response. The kids know what I'm talking about. That's when you look at a text message and you don't respond to it. Take that. Here's more weight to it. They know that they did wrong. It's going to be weighing heavy on them. Keep reading verse number 16, Brother Arnold. So they sent a message to Joseph saying... So they sent a message to Joseph. They didn't even want to face him themselves because they're thinking that Joseph's going to do something bad to him. They sent a message to him and said what? Your father gave this command now, before he died. Now see the words that they use right here. They said your father. They had done so much wrong that they didn't even look at themselves as being brothers. They, they knew that they did wrong. Your father, not our father, your father... He gave this command, and the Bible never talks about this. Nobody knows if, if, if Jacob ever said this to them, but they said it. He said, your father gave this command what? before he died. Say to Joseph. Verse number 17, he says that the father said, say to Joseph what? Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin. Our father said, please forgive. Please let go. Please don't cause what they did to you to affect your future relationship. That's what he's saying right there. Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin. They did intentional wrong towards you. Please forgive them and their sin. Why? Because they did evil to you. Okay, keep reading. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God And then of they your added father. on a little bit more. If it wasn't enough that daddy said it, they said, and now please forgive the transgressions of what? Your servants. The, the servants of the God of your father. They said, don't just forgive your, the, the, the brothers, but also forgive us because we're servants of God. They're laying it on thick right here. They want this forgiveness. They want forgiveness. Now, there's a lot of people, when they do wrong to you, they don't care if you forgive them. They don't care if the, the relationship is reestablished or not. But these brothers are sitting here seeking out forgiveness. And that, that, that ought to say something to us today. That if somebody is coming to you and seeking out forgiveness, seeking out to reestablish the relationship of how it was before the offense happened, we ought to be willing to forgive. We ought to be able to forgive 70 times 7. That is the cap. I, I think that was just the big number back then. That's not a cap, okay? Don't don't get your calculators out and figure out what that number is and say, okay, you got 15 more. <laughs> All right? That's not, that's not what that is, okay? Right. They're dealing with guilt. It's weighing heavy on them and they they think that the the the, the chickens have come home to roost. Please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Continue read 17 again. Ooh, I gotta find it. <laughs> Said to Joseph. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. A lot of people in our society today, they might look at this and say, real men don't cry. Joseph audibly wept. He's crying. He's, 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 he's remembering the wrong that was done to him. He's seeing how God has laid out the big picture. And, and Joseph weeps. He cries. 
And I just want you to understand and know today that at some point, you have to release the pain that is within you. It is not good to continue to hold on to that pain for years upon years upon years upon years until it causes you to be something that God didn't create. At some point, you got to let it out. At some point, you got to let it go. That, that, that feeling of your heart beating fast when you see that person who wronged you, at some point, you got to get over that. Because in most cases, that other person is not feeling that. You're just hurting yourself. You're just doing damage to your heart and to your physical heart. At some point, you got to let it go. Verse number 19, Joseph says what? But Joseph said to them, uh-huh. Do not fear, uh-huh. for am I in the place of God? Joseph understands at this point in his life, after he's gone through the wrongs that he's gone through in his life, experienced people hurting him throughout his life when he was just being who he was, he's experienced and he knows that he is not God. He says, I can't hold, you, hold this over your head. I can't sit up here punishing you as if I've done no wrong in my life. And we ought to be the same sit here and be punishing people when we don't have a judgment seat to sit on. I know that you felt pain. I know that you felt hurt. I have too. But we're not God. We're not God. And God can handle it a whole lot better than what we can. No one needs to have subjects but God. And God is the only one who should expect to not be wrong. But listen to this. This is this next verse here. Verse number 20. The one that we're familiar with. As for you. Joseph says. As for you. You meant evil against me. Joseph says. You meant evil for or against me. Now I want you to understand. This word in its original language. I like the meaning of it. It is to create. That word meant is to create or to weave something, right? And we all in here, and I know the sisters know more than the brothers do, but a good weave is unnoticeable. All right? A good weave is unnoticeable. Y'all remember in the late 90s when sisters were wearing tacks and gluing them in? And sometimes they didn't know how to do it the right way. And so you could see their hair bumped up where the track was because they didn't know how to lay their hair on top of that other one. That's not a good weave, right? Now, when you look at Beyonce, she wears whole wigs that cover up her whole head and it blends in with her four lace front wigs, right? That's a good weave. And what happens is, is that the brothers, when they chose to sell Joseph into slavery, they were trying to put tracks in the wrong way. Because their weave didn't stick. Does that make sense? But see, God, he is the master weaver. God is the master weaver. God is the one who you can go to. He can charge you $400 for his weave because his weave don't show. Joseph says right here in verse number 20, you meant or you weaved evil against me, but what? But God meant it for the good. He says, but God weaved it for good. 
good. That means that God doesn't take lemons and makes lemonade. God, he sees your plan and he has superiority over your plan. You can weave all you want to, but God is going to weave this thing in there to where you won't see the weaving that he's doing until it's finished. He doesn't just take your most worst moments and turn them into something good. God is taking your worst moments and making sure that they always end up for your good. Always. It doesn't matter what happens. God is always making sure that your worst moments end up for your good. Yes, they meant evil. Yes, God allowed for them to work their evil plan, but God said, I have a better way. I'm going to take what you planned, and I'm going to make it something greater. And God did something better. He called it shot. I didn't put this in here. Go to uh, Genesis chapter 37. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. I want you all to see this. Thirty-seven, and I want you to look at verse number five. Verse number five. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he had told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Verse number seven, behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheave arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down, to my sheep. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Verse number nine. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his fathers and to his brothers, his fathers rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. I want you to turn back over to Genesis chapter 50. As it happens... Joseph, being the position that he is in, when his family is brought back in front of him, his brothers is brought back in front of him to seek help, they all bow down before him. There ain't no telling what Joseph thought that that dream meant. He might have thought that it meant he was going to rule over them. But him having his brothers bow down to him meant that he was going to become a servant to them. Not rule over them. And they might, they surely did think that he was saying that they were going to bow down to him to worship him or to, to be under his authority. But Joseph was going to be a servant to them. And God called this shot in the dream of Joseph when he was just 17 years old that they would come and bow down to him. They had a plan that it would mean something else. And God said, I weave better than man does. That means it doesn't matter what someone does to you because you know that God is the ultimate planner, the ultimate weaver. And so no matter what somebody does, 
no matter what transgression people have done towards you, you can best believe that we have the master planner in our corner. And he's going to turn that bad thing into something good. I may not see it today. We know that it took longer than two years for Joseph. But I know that the. And make it into something good. Joseph could not have seen at 17. That all of this stuff was going to happen so that he could save his family. So that he could save his family. And what Joseph realized, because Joseph said, I'm not in the place of God. I'm not God. What Joseph realized was this wasn't just about the family. But this was about the promise that God made in Genesis chapter 12 to Abraham. God said, I will bless your seed and I will bless those that bless you. How many of you have heard of Egypt today? Have you heard of Egypt today? I believe for a fact. That Egypt was blessed because they blessed the family of Abraham. I believe that. And if God makes a promise that he is going to take care of his people, which Christians are now in the lineage of Abraham, if he makes a promise that he's going to take care of you and bless you, you better believe it. Because God doesn't break his promises. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if you're facing the Red Sea. It doesn't matter if you've been in Babylonian bondage for hundreds of years. It doesn't matter if you're under the bondage of Romans. It doesn't matter if you're under the bondage of Walmart, Best Buy, Target, Wilson Art, Tenneco. It doesn't matter if you're under the bondage of these places and people have power over you. God is going to make it good. It doesn't matter if your body starts to fail you. It doesn't matter if you start to have diseases in your body. God, God isn't going to fail you. Because the big picture is, is that God is going to keep his promise. It's bigger than Joseph and his brothers. God made a promise that he was going to bring something through that lineage. Jesus comes from that. Get food in Egypt. Jesus doesn't come. The whole world isn't blessed. That's a promise that God made. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, when somebody wrongs me, am I just going to view God's big plan or am I going to participate in it? Am I just going to be a viewer of God's big plan or am I going to participate in it? Joseph could have said, okay, now since daddy did, y'all did too. God was going to make sure that the family kept going. But if Joseph would have said that, he wouldn't have been part of God's plan. What part are we going to play in the big picture? Because it's bigger than you. The wrongs that are done to you and the good that God is waiting to do for you in the future. It's not just going to be for your good, but it's going to be for the good of God's people period. Read verse 20 again. 
As for you, as for you, you meant evil against me. You meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. But God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive uh -huh. as they are today. You may ask yourself, why did God allow my spouse to cheat? When I have been a godly spouse, it might be that he has someone better for you. Someone who's going to fit in line with being and helping you to raise a godly family. Why did God take away this loved one from me? They were such a blessing to me. They helped me through so many times. But God allowed them to die and to have a disease and to have all these things happen to them. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't even know God. Be there for somebody else. It's time for you to be there for somebody else. Why did God allow for me to lose this good paying job that I worked hard for? Why did God allow me to lose this? Because God has a bigger blessing for you. And you wouldn't have left that good paying job to see the blessing that God had for you. So he had to intervene. Why didn't I reach my goal of being a youth minister at the church I grew up in? Because God had a better plan. God had a better plan. He had a different plan. My weave wasn't sticking. It just wasn't. But God weaved that thing in a way that I couldn't have imagined possible. Did not see it. Did not see this. Did not see myself standing before people before I had a head full of gray hair. That was my plan. Wait till I get old, old to work with the big kids. Right? But God had a different plan. Verse number 21. So do not fear. I want you to notice what he says to them. He says, don't be afraid. I will provide for you. He says, I will provide for you. And your little ones. And not just for you, but also for your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I want you to notice how the relationship that Joseph had with his brothers wasn't just reestablished, but it improved. Joseph didn't just say, I forgive you. Now we good. Joseph said, I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to make our relationship better. That's how it ought to look in a home whenever husband and wife are divided against each other and at odds against each other. When you have those spats and those fights with each other and you come back together, make that relationship better. When you're at the family house and you're having your family reunions and you've got cousins and brothers and sisters that don't get along, make that relationship better. When somebody's wronged you and caused you to lose your job, gossip about you, somebody cheated on you, somebody hit you verbally or physically assaulted you, make that relationship better. Because if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we have to be Christ-like. And Jesus is the most offended. We've all sinned against Christ. We caused his death. But he didn't just say, I forgive you. He says, here goes salvation. Here goes eternal life. My daddy going to give you the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. He didn't just say, I forgive you, but he made it better. If we call ourselves Christians, we ought to be willing to make it better. Is it easy? No, it's not. Because we're humans and we're always going to think about our own self-interest. But if we want to be more than humans, if we want to live eternally, we have to be more than humans. We have to be spiritual people. And we have to begin 
to allow that spirit that dwells within us to take over. Because the flesh ain't going to do it. It's hard, but it's possible. It's possible with God. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. The Bible reads what? And we know that for those who love God. Paul writes to the church at Rome, he says, and we know that for those who love God. All things work together for all good. All things, not just some things, not for, just the things that we recognize. All things. For those who are called according to all his purpose. All things what? Work together work for together good. Work together for good. For those. Who are called according to his purpose. Who are called according to his purpose. There's some things in our lives that we're waiting for God to resurrect. And if it's in God's plan, he will. And what we got to do is stop paying attention to the things that haven't been resurrected yet. Because we're doing a lot of damage to ourselves, looking at things that are dead, that God just ain't had in his plan. We wanted something to happen, and it just didn't happen. Let's wait on God. Let's be content with what he's given us at this moment. When you are offended, can you trust in the weaving nature of God? Can you trust that even though you have been wrong, that God is going to somehow work it for your good? Do you have it in you to be a participant in the plan of God? If this community saw that we forgave others, trusting in the plan of God and being participants, hearts would be unburdened. There are a lot of people in this community who are here because of hurts caused by other people. You talk to some of those people that feed my sheep. They'll have some stories for you about how family has hurt them, how the government has hurt them, how they've been left alone. Imagine what our impact could do for them if we showed that we trusted in the plan of God no matter what. Imagine what would happen in our church if we forgave each other within this body. Imagine what would happen if we focused on worshiping God and not on what sister or brother such and such did to us last week or 50 years ago. Imagine what would happen in this world if we forgave history. Imagine what would happen if history were for learning and not for holding on to past hurts. This country has hurt a lot of people. A lot of people. Not just black people, Native Americans, Asians. What would happen if we let it go? What would happen if we didn't hold it against other people? What, if, what would happen if we ourselves were not racist? What would happen in this world? What if history was just for the sake of knowing so we don't repeat what happened in the past? But because I tell you, a lot of times we hold on to history and say, I can't like this person who's white because of what happened in 1861. Because of what happened in 1965. That is not forgiveness. If God can exist, if Jesus can exist in this world in AD 30 something, and forgive us when we wouldn't exist until 20-something. We ought to be able to forgive people who hurt you 40, 50 years ago. 
than 100, 200, 300 years ago. We can change the world if we will be God's people. If you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to know and understand that God is the master forgiver. Everything that you have done wrong in your life can be forgiven. It can be forgotten about. God won't hold it against you. But the first thing that you must do is you must believe that his son is who he said he was. Jesus Christ did come down to this earth in the form of a human being. He became man. He suffered, bled, hung, died for our sins. He was buried, but he rose. You must be willing to say that I don't want to live the life of sin that I've been living. It does not mean perfection, but it means that you change your mind so that you can change your actions. You must confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and you have to be buried in the watery grave of baptism for the remission of your sins. If you want this forgiveness, if you want to begin your walk towards the eternity and have God dwelling in you so that you can have the answers that you don't have, come for it be baptized. If you're a Christian and you're holding on to hurts, you're holding on to pains that cause you to feel those emotions towards other human beings that are sinful just like you are, come and ask for prayers. Reestablish your relationship with God and that person. Make it better before it's too late. Won't you come as we sing the song with patience? Come to Jesus now. Come to Jesus now. Oh, come.